The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 42 is where we would like to look. Acts chapter 13, verse number 42. If you're there, say a good hearty amen. amen. You're here this morning. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And Paul was the preacher in this case, along with uh, Barnabas, verse 43. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And we ought to be persuaded in that way, too. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Where does that boldness come from? The Holy Spirit of God. And said that it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, notice that ye put it from you, and judging yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles, for so uh, so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for the salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Verse 49, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Question, uh, who were those disciples in what city? In Antioch. And we'll uh, get, uh, get into that, but that's very important. So let's pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sing together and to think about heaven together this morning. Thank you that uh, you are preparing a place for us, uh, Lord. And it's not just the place, the mansion, and the, the different uh, features of heaven that we're looking forward to. Lord, we are looking forward to being in your presence uh, with you, face-to-face with Christ our Savior. And Lord, we look forward to that even happening in this day, if your, your trumpets should sound. Bless us as we open up your word this morning. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to take this narrative that you've given to us, and we want to apply it to our hearts. So help us, Lord, with that. And I do pray for all those that are, are either sick today, I have to be away, or not able to make it today. I pray that you bless them in a special way. Meet with them right in their living room, wherever they're watching. Lord, I pray for our brother Caleb. I pray that you would uh, raise him up and uh, touch his back and that you just encourage him. And anyone else, Lord, that's just down today, Lord, I pray that you just lift us up to yourself this morning. Encourage our hearts in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. If you see me, if you see me opening up my Bible, I don't typically do this, but I had to send my Bible my dad bought me uh, in for repair. 
And I had been using that Bible since I was 22, and it's, it came to time to send it in to be restored and get a new piece of leather on it because it has some sentimental value. And this Bible will not stay open. A preacher's Bible should stay open, and this Bible does not stay open. So that, that is what I'm, I'm dealing with this, uh, this morning as I uh, open up the Word this morning. And I'm thankful that we have, the, uh, thankful we have Bibles. Aren't you thankful for that? And uh, it's, it's really first world problems when we, when we think about what kind of Bible we have some places. And I was watching uh, a, a feature entitled uh, The Insanity of God uh, by Nick Ripkins. Uh, and just to think how many different places around the world do not yet have the Bible. What an amazing thing that that is. We are privileged, privileged people uh, here in America and so thankful for that. Okay, so we're back in Acts chapter number 13. And we left off with a really tremendous sermon from, uh, from Paul in Acts chapter 13, where he started from the Old Testament and went all the way to, uh, through the New Testament through that, that time and preached a message on the Messiah to that group that was gathered in Antioch of Pisidia. Let's uh, remind ourselves where they are. Give us that map here this morning. So they have they've started out of Antioch. They were sent out on this first missionary journey. The Holy Spirit pushed them out of that church. He gave orders to that church to send out Paul and Barnabas. Remember, uh, John Mark went with them. So they go over to the island of Cyprus. They travel across uh, the bottom end of it, and they're preaching the gospel. People are coming to the Lord. They leave uh, Cyprus, and they go up to Perga, land there on the coast, and then uh, uh, go up to Antioch of Pisidia, and they preach this message, this wonderful message that still encourages us today that God has not gotten off of his plan to bring the Messiah into the world and accomplish the mission, the grand mission of Scripture, which is to um, bring man back into reconciliation with God the Father. So what sin marred at, at, in the garden, uh, God has recreated through Jesus Christ in reconciling us to himself. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21. We are reconciled to God the Father by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the message that Paul was bringing to this group of people up there in Antioch of Pisidia. And so, as you understand, anytime the gospel is preached, there's going to be a response to it. This is something I really want to grab a hold of this morning as we consider this narrative. Every time God's word is preached, there's always, always, always a response to it. You say, I don't always see the response. Well, that's, that's true. In fact, uh, one of our prayers ought to be, Lord, allow me to see the response when I share your word with somebody. Allow me to see the response. And here's the responses that we're going to find this morning. There's, there's a positive response, which is, yes, I want it. And there were many there in Antioch of Pisidia that were, were saying, yes, I want it. But then there was a group, and we'll notice them, that were very much against the message that Paul was preaching. And so there's always going to be that response. And just consider the times that you've been able to share the gospel with somebody or share God's word with somebody, and there's been a response to the word. And you've walked away, and they, 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 they pushed it away. I was having a conversation with Brother Cliff this, uh, this week on the prayer call, and he was talking about how he gave a, a, a tract to his doctor, and he was hoping that there would be a good response to it. And, uh, and the fact is, there is that hope. Yes, I want them to respond right, but there's many times where people will respond against it, and you know what? It's no less a response. And it's no less an indication that the gospel is working. Sometimes we get defeated when someone says no, but do you realize that is the power of the gospel that is causing them to make a decision about the truth that they just heard? So don't be discouraged. We want to see the gospel work. We want them to make the right response, but that's their choice. They have to make that choice personally. But there's always going to be a response, either positive, yes, I want it, or negative, no, get it out of my, uh, out of my face. Don't ever talk to me about that again. 
I've met some folks, and I can think of a, a man right now that we're praying for even as a church, that, that at, at times he has said, hey, uh, I, I'm not telling you never to tell me it again, but I'm not receiving it. And so, kind of staying in, in, that, in, in that middle ground. And friend, by the way, if that's, if that's you this morning, if you're watching that way, let me just say that's a very dangerous place to be. Because God tells us in John 3 and verse 18 that our inaction, our, res, our, our, our action to not receive it in the moment is actually considered before a holy God as unbelief. And we are living under condemnation before a holy God when we continue in our unbelief. And what a horrible thing that that is. So we see here in, uh, in Acts chapter number 13, as Paul has just preached this, think of it as the invitation time. Think of this as the after-service time is what we're focusing in on. Here's where people are making decisions. Here's where people are taking steps, whether to receive or to, to reject. And let me just say, this is an important passage of Scripture that will help us to understand ministering to people, but even understand our own response to the Word of God and the importance of cultivating a right response to the Word of God. And so that's really what I want to get down to as we would apply it to us as believers what kind of response would you and I cultivate to the Word of God when we hear it? It's always going to be a response. As we heard some great messages over the past, uh, past week and a half or, and more, uh, as we've heard some great messages, you made a response to that message. Whether you realize it or not, you made a response. Either positive, yes, I, I need this, I need to install this in my life, I need to practice this, or no, that, that, that's for someone else. That's for my wife, right? That's, that's for that person, but not for me, right? We, we always make a response. And what is the response that we ought to cultivate in our life? And that's what we're going to see here this morning. First of all, I want you to notice the response that they had and that it was one of receiving the word of the Lord. There was a group of people there in, in Antioch of Pisidia that said, yes, I want it. And we can see that they said that by how they responded, how they continued on in their conversation. The idea to receive is to take in, right? Uh, you all had breakfast this morning of some sort, right? Did anyone skip breakfast? And so your stomach's going to be growling here in a little bit. All right. Uh, but the fact is we receive, we take in, we, we pause, we, we sit down, and we take in. We, we allow the nourishment to come in. That's the idea of receive. And so when these folks received the word of God, they took the time to allow it to enter into their heart. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Uh, Jeremiah talks about eating the word of God. And, and that's metaphorical uh, in, in, in a spiritual sense, uh, taking in the word of God, receiving it. And so they had a receptive heart to the word of God. Notice how in verse number 42, they delighted in it. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, who was it that said, hey, come back and tell us more? It was the Gentiles. It was those that, that the Jews considered to be dogs and those that the Jews uh, uh, disdained. But they were the ones that besought that. And I want us to notice this. Look at your Bible. Verse 42. It said that these words might be preached. This is really great. Because these Gentiles did not, did not come up to Paul and Barnabas and say, hey, tell us another message. We want you to come back, and we don't care if you repeat what you just said. We don't care if you come back and you tell us the same message. We want that these words, this message, we want to hear it once again. It was so good that we want to hear it again. You talk about delight. 
uh, maybe you had a steak dinner this, uh, this week and it was so good, you wanted to eat it again. You go back to the same restaurant and you want to order the same thing because you delight in that, in that dish. You delight in what you ate. And they delighted so much in what Paul and Barnabas were communicating, the gospel, that they wanted to hear it again. Tell us of the Messiah again. Tell us, tell us about it again. Tell me the story of Jesus again. You know, as I think about our church and Every church is on a growth track, right? Uh, we individually are on a growth track, but we as a church collectively are on a growth track. And I think about what God is continuing to do in our church. One of the things, as I was thinking about this, I think that God is increasing your delight in the Word of God. As I heard um, f- uh, testimony from different people throughout the, the last week, that you were praising God for the messages that you heard. What a blessing! What a blessing that the, the church is growing forward and, 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 and growing in our delight together of the Word of God. What a great blessing. Let's keep that fervor. Let's be like these Gentiles that say, tell us more. I think of the hymn that Fanny Crosby wrote, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And notice what it says there in that first verse. Write on my heart every word. Every word. It is so good. I, Write it on my heart, engrave it on my heart. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. There's a lot of bad news in the world, but the story of Jesus is the sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest. Peace, peace and good tidings to earth. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious sweetest that ever was heard what a great hymn what a great truth and that ought to describe my heart and your heart towards the word of god tell me it again tell me it again it never gets old and friends if we get to the point where the word of god the story of jesus christ gets old we need a revival we need a revival i was listening last night to the song it's it's through the blood and as it recounted the picture of standing before the Father and, and thinking about my own sinfulness and what I deserve before the Father, the glorious chorus on that song was, no, it's through the blood. I, I'm here through the blood. And the, it never gets old to consider the fact that I was condemned. I deserved hell and death. But through his precious blood, I've been made white as snow. And so tell me the story, most precious. They wanted more. They, they delighted in this. But notice how that continued in their, in their life. They hungered for more because it says there in verse number 43, when the congregation had broken up. In other words, when they, they were starting to break up, disband, go out in the lobby and consider what lunch plans they were going to make where they were going to, um, for lunch. Here's what happened. They gathered around the preachers and they, they would not stop talking. They stayed there. They lingered there. They stayed in their presence. And consider this group that gathered around Paul and Barnabas was some Jews. So there were some Jews that were very interested in what was going on. Many of the Jews. And then it says this religious proselytes. What's that? These were Gentiles that had converted to Judaism thinking that um, this was the answer. So by the way, do you know, and many times we face people who are very religious and who have even switched religions seeking truth, seeking Jesus. And they came here and both the religious people who did not, 
who, who are part of a group of people that did not believe on Jesus Christ as the Messiah, they were here around Paul saying, we want more. And then there were a, a group of Gentiles who had switched over to Judaism that said, we want more. We are hungering for him. We want more. And they, they, they followed Paul and Barnabas. The idea of followed is they traveled with them. And Paul started to go, hey, we're going to lunch. And they followed with him. They continued to linger around and continued to talk. They would not let Paul and Barnabas go because they wanted more. What a blessing it is when God's word has touched our hearts so much that we want to sit and soak in and we want to talk and we want to, uh, we want to discuss it and continue on. And by the way, that can happen in your car rides on the way home. Do you know, God doesn't want us just to receive the word and then then go on like we never heard anything. What a great conversation topic as you get into the car and on the way to lunch and around lunch for you to discuss the Word of God and, uh, and break it apart and continue to linger with the Holy Spirit of God and what He's done in your own heart. That's what's going on here. They were lingering around Paul. The gist of what he says to them, though, is this. Listen, guys, I want you to continue in the grace of God. And he persuaded them. He convinced them. I want, you to, I want you to continue. I, I want you to, to not give up on this. You need God's grace going forward. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit of God prompted Paul to, to realize, listen, these folks are in for some persecution. Encourage them to continue in the grace of God. Encourage them to, to stay in the grace of God. You can't continue in something you have not yet begun with. And so I believe we're talking about some believers here that had gathered around. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse number 6, As ye therefore have received Christ, do you remember it? So walk ye in him. Continue on. So Paul's saying, hey, listen, don't give up. Continue on. I'm so glad to see you gathered around. I'm so glad to see this has touched your heart. I'm so glad that you have received this for yourself. But continue on in the grace, the same grace that brought salvation to your heart. Continue to walk in that grace. And oh, that we would walk in the grace of God in that way. Oh, that we would hunger for more and that we would linger with the Holy Spirit and allow him to touch our hearts and that the word of God entering into our heart wouldn't be something that we just get past really quickly that we would allow it to linger there, that we'd talk, that we'd discuss it, that we'd seek more of it. That was, that was how they were receiving the word of God. But notice, as they went out and finally left Paul and Barnabas, verse 44, the next Sabbath day, their work became very obvious. Because they went out into the city, and you can be guaranteed these folks didn't stop talking about the word of God. They continued to talk about it when they went to um, work, when they went to their carpenter shop, when they went to the, the chariots, um, uh, uh, used uh, use car sales, uh, used chariot sales place, and, and began to sell uh, their chariots that way. They were talking about it everywhere. Because notice verse 44, the next Sabbath day, almost the whole city came out. Now think about that. How did that happen? Was it a clever ad campaign by the church there in Antioch of Pisidia? No, for real. How did this happen? How did the whole city hear that there was going to be a message on that Sabbath that you did not want to miss for anything? Get there, limp there, drag yourself there, do whatever it takes to get there, but get there and be under the preaching of the Word of God. And notice the Bible says here, the whole city came together to do what? They did not come together to get baklava. Right? They didn't come for good on good meal. 
they weren't going to be serving bacon there. They were probably going to be serving something uh, you know, else if they, if they ate there together. But they didn't come together for a good meal. They did not come together for some special show or demonstration or a one-man act. They came together, and I want us to grab that, to hear the word of God. That is so, so very important. We have lost sight of that today. And oh, that we would grow in our understanding that the goal of our gathering today is to hear the word of God. We hear it in different forms. We, we sing the word of God to one another. Uh, the word of God is taught in classes and it's expounded in different ways. It's preached from the pulpit. Uh, we, we talk about it in our individual uh, relationships and fellowships within the church. But the fact is they came together to hear the word of God. Listen, that is revival in a city. That is a great awakening. When you pray for a great awakening in Kettering, Ohio, or in our greater area, or in America, we are praying that God would so enrapture us, that he would so excite us about his word, that we have so received the word of God, that we cannot help but talk about it, so that the gathering of the lost and the unsaved will be to come together, not to get some warm, fuzzy uh, message, but to hear the word of God. Oh, that we would be like that. Oh, that we would pattern ourselves after them. They invited others to come. I want us to think about the story of the, the woman at the well when she spent time with Jesus and heard his words. In John 4, 29, do you remember when she goes back into, uh, her, into her city? The Bible says in verse four, uh, 29, come, here was her message. Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Is this not the Christ? So as she went about in the city, she did not go about and saying, you're a sinner and you're a sinner and you need to stop doing this. And you need No, she went and said, would you just come hear about Jesus? Sometimes we get our message skewed. We need to preach sin, and we need to be willing to confront sin, and no one can come to Jesus Christ without realizing they're a sinner. But oh, that our message this week would be, do you, would you come, and would you hear about Jesus, and, and would you allow me to share with you what Jesus has done for my life? That's why your stories are so important. I, I know some of you are writing your stories right now. That's why your story is so important, because it's what Jesus has done for you. It's the same thing that the woman at the well did when she says, come, see a man. He told me everything about me. He changed my life. And even as we go out into our community this week, what are we going to be saying about Jesus to those that we bump shoulders with? What is our attitude going to be saying? What is our word going to be to them that dwell in darkness and have blinded eyes? I just want us to realize that the preaching of the word was what they were gathering together for. And that had to be because these people went out and said, you've got to come hear this. You've got to, yeah, you've got to hear what I heard. And they were excited about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they excited about the gospel of the Messiah. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness, but unto us it, uh, which are saved it is the power of God. Do you know that there are many in our culture right now that look at the gospel message as very, very foolish. They look at it as a crutch, something that you lean on because you're too weak-minded to, um, to believe for yourself. But to them, 
The Bible said it, it's foolishness, but to us we know the power of God is in the gospel, and we know the power of God is in the preaching of the gospel. Uh, Paul said also in 1 Corinthians 2, in verse number 1, he said, I didn't come to you with a clever speech. If you've been reading through the Bible with us this, uh, this year so far, you came across this passage, this jumped out to me. He says, I didn't come to you with excellent words. I didn't come to you thinking, how can I win them with my words? He simply opened up the word of God and he preached the word of God and he allowed the word of God to do the work in their lives and the Corinthian believers believed on him. You know, a good indicator of whether I'm personally receiving the word of God is whether I'm inviting others to the, to the same thing that I've received. If you go to a restaurant and you find a really good dish, the likelihood is you're going to tell somebody else about it. Right? That's why when I go to a restaurant, if I don't know what to order, I ask the waiter, uh, what is your favorite thing on the, on the menu? Because I figure they're going to they're gonna tell me what they personally experienced. Uh, and, and many times they're very glad to, to, to say that. The, the fact is, whatever good deals you find, you're going to tell somebody about it. When we find that the word of God is sweet to our heart, it ministers to us, it shines light into our lives. When we find that to be the case, do we not turn around and tell somebody else about it? Well, that's how it ought to be. And so this week, I want to I encourage you, who can you tell about what God is doing in your life right now? You say, well, it's not very important. Do you know what? What God is doing in your life is always important. And God is going to place people in your life this week who need to hear what God is doing in your life, what the word of God means to you, what you learned today at church. They need to hear that. You say, well, uh, my, my message, I, I'm kind of feeble in talk. Paul was too. He said, I didn't come, I didn't come to you all with excellent words. I came to you, I just, I just said, Here, here's the word of God. Here's the word of God for you. I want to encourage you with something. There's a, uh, a survey that was recently done of 2,000 unchurched people. Sometimes we, we look into the world and we say, they won't want to hear it. They, they won't want to come. Uh, this, this was just something that happened in Antioch of Pisidia. The whole city gathers together, but that's not going to be the case for us. But I want you to think about this. This survey that was done of 2,000 unchurched people here in America, and they indicated they would come to church based on these factors or based on these, these events happening in their life. Uh, 18% said, hey, if we saw a Facebook ad, we'd consider coming to church. Not a high percentage, but we would consider coming to church. If we saw a door hanger on our door, perhaps one that said something like, um, you matter to Jesus and you are welcome at Grace Baptist Church. Something like that, don't you think? Perhaps 19% of unchurched people said, if we received that on our door, we would come to church. By the way, 19% uh, of zero is, Right? So it's, it's numbers. It behooves us to get all 9,000 out, out of this year and print more and continue to put them out there, okay? It's not a high percentage, but it is a percentage. There are 19% of unchurched people, and we can, we can apply that across our city, that say, hey, uh, I, I would give it a try if I received one of those, those door hangers on my door. A visit at the door. People say, well, it doesn't work anymore. No one wants to be visited at the door. Well, it depends on who you are. Some people don't, and some people do. But uh, 21% said, hey, I would, I would consider going to church. Oh, if I received a postcard in the mail, uh, you mailed it to me, 23% uh, said that. An online video, a lot of videos circulating around. 29% uh, said, I would consider going to a church uh, uh, after having viewed a, an online video. But here's where it really changes, friends. 51% say that if we are invited by a friend, 
I would go. And 55% say if I was invited by a family member, I'd go. Do you know the power of you going out this week? You say, I want, I want God to, to build our church. He's going to use you speaking about the incarnate word of God to other people you bump shoulders with this week to build his church. Do you know that your voice is incredibly powerful? In fact, more powerful than mine. Many people would say, I, if I hear a church member give an invite, it's more powerful than the pastor saying, hey, you come out to our church. Now, I invite, got to invite a lady yesterday, and it was a, a blessed. I challenged her to read John, uh, the book of John. She hasn't opened up a Bible in a long time. She hasn't been in a church in a long time, but she said, I accept your challenge to read the book of John. And we talked about it right in the line there, uh, there at, the, uh, at, the, at the store. And what a blessing it was. But you know, you have such a powerful, powerful testimony as a believer, if you are receiving the word of God and excited about that, people, people are ready to hear from you. So who is it that needs to hear what God is doing in your life this week? Would you pray and ask God to give you that opportunity and then be ready to act on that opportunity? Have tracks ready, but more so have a word of testimony ready. Could you, in a minute's time, give another person who may or may not know you a word about what God is doing in your heart right now. I'd encourage you about that. So they received the word, and that was a, boy, I'd, I'd be on cloud nine as a, as a preacher. I'd be on cloud nine to see what was going on right here. But we transition, and we find in verses 45 through 51, there was a rejection, and we know this is going to happen. It's going to happen. There's the receiving the word. Yes, the gospel is working. There's the rejecting of the word. Yes, the gospel is working. We need to have the right perspective. Uh, by the way, evil always revolts against truth. Always. Uh, light always dispels darkness, and darkness is always threatened by light. It, it just it is the fact. And so there was a rejecting of the word of God. Notice there in verse number 45 that when they saw the multitudes, they were envious. Why were they so envious? You ever asked yourself a question? Why is the world so threatened by groups of believers like you and I gathering together in church? Why is the, the world so threatened by the name of Jesus Christ? Why is it so threatened if, if a man stands up in City Hall and prays in the name of Jesus? Why is it better if a man stands up and prays in the name of Buddha, Muhammad, and, and, and Mother Earth, and all these different, and to the unknown deity? Why are they not threatened by that, but they're threatened by one one name, and his name is Jesus, and why are they threatened by you and I lifting him up in the public square? They were envious. They saw this group gathering together, the whole city. I mean, this, this had to have made the news. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere in town. Did you hear what happened over there? The, I mean, everyone is out at this gathering. They're all hearing Paul, and they were envious. They were jealous. They were greedy. They were pridefully longing. We want that same following, and remember this about the religious leaders. The same in Jesus' day, they were jealous of the following that Jesus had. And you can be guaranteed, 
just like some of the idol makers in the, uh, in the rest of the book of Acts became jealous for the followings that, that moved from idolatry to Jesus Christ, you can be guaranteed in our day as people move towards the Lord Jesus Christ, should a great awakening happen, and we pray it does, you can, uh, you can be guaranteed that there is going to be jealousy on the part of the world towards that, just like it was here in the religious leaders. And understand, the, these, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, there in the, in the area of Antioch of Pisidia, they were living in rejection to God's word, and you can also mark this down, Anyone who lives in rejection to the word of God will never be happy and will never be satisfied. And can you not see that in the world today and in the culture today? People are so angry towards Jesus Christ, so angry towards the word of God, so angry. They'll never have joy. They'll never find satisfaction as long as they are rejecting the word of God. And you know why? You know why America's happy factor keeps on dropping? is because we are increasing our rejection to the word of God and to God himself. And understand as you go out, why are people so ticked off all the time? Why? I was going down the road uh, yesterday and, and, and was driving. Oh, Bud, you got to the stoplight the same time I got to the stoplight. Did it do any good to, to show off that you were mad that I was going a little bit too slow? You run around me and get to the stoplight first. Great. Why are people so ticked off all the time? We live in a culture that is denying God, pushing away God. It is evidence of sin. This anger that is pent up within, this just constant spirit of riot that is pent up within, everything is bad, and all around that we look is bad. People that are living in rejection of God's word will never be happy, nor will they be satisfied. That's why anyone you talk to this week that does not know Jesus, you can mark it down. They have a deep longing in their soul for something, and that someone is Jesus Christ. I want us to notice how they dealt with this. These envious Jews that were rejecting the message first tried to discredit the message that Paul and Barnabas were preaching. And notice how that goes in verse number 45. They contradicted it and blasphemed it. And they spake against the message. They spake against those things. So if they had, if they had uh, uh, you know, uh, TV back in that day, they would have gotten on the air and they would have been being interviewed by an interviewer and they would have begun to speak. Uh, you, you can't believe that. Uh, that, that's nonsense. That's just a crutch. Uh, whatever Paul is saying, he's just a nobody. In fact, you, you know, if you really um, think about Paul, he's, he's quite, a, he's quite a, 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 a turncoat. He turned on, on all, these, uh, all of his religious background and all of his religious buddies, and he's now preaching Jesus Christ. He's lost it, and they spake against the message. They spake the idea of blaspheme is to revile to revile, and they continued to do this. This was the whole spirit in which they spake against the message was a spirit of reviling the message, just cursing the message and speaking against it, saying the opposite, and they continued to do this over and over, and they wouldn't let it go. This was the talking point. This was what they were focused on. This was all they were focused on, and you know what's interesting to me? It happened the same to Jesus Christ. They even... They even accused him of being a blasphemer himself in the preaching of his word. The Bible says in Matthew, 
5 and verse 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, blaspheme against you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so <laughs> Paul and Barnabas are sitting in this situation. They have a lot of um, people that are speaking against them and, and reviling them. But notice what Paul does. He clarifies their angst with biblical perspective. He says, listen, I want you guys to realize, you are, as a, uh, as a Jewish individual, you are angered at what is going on here today. You see all these Gentiles responding to the word of God, and that makes you so mad. You're envious. And you know what Paul helps them to realize? He says, this is not God's fault. You, you know what he says? You all have put the gospel, the message of the Messiah, the good tidings of the Messiah away from you. You judge yourself unworthy to receive this. This has been prophesied. You just heard my whole message on this. Or we're starting back with Abraham. This has been prophesied all the way along that this was the coming Messiah, and he was coming for you, and he's coming through you to bless the whole world. And, and you hurry, hearing the Messiah and putting him on the cross and now hearing us as his messengers, you have personally put this message away from you. And so he puts it back on them. Um, do you see the, the, the doctrine of the free will of man here? Do you see that? They made a decision about the message of the gospel. They personally made some decisions here. It was not God's will that they should put it away. It was their will, their own free will and action uh, of them saying, no, we judge ourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Think about that. We judge ourselves unworthy of everlasting life. We don't want it. We don't need your Messiah. Now, notice what he says in verse number 47. He tells them in verse 47, God planned for you as a people, as a Jewish nation, to be the light to the world. We find that out in Isaiah 40, uh, 49 and verse number 6. That was God's intention. They were to be God's missionaries to the world, like you and I are to be God's uh, missionaries to the world. So they were supposed to be this, this light to the world to say, come to the Messiah, but they, they're rejecting. They're in the spirit of rejection. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And so their rejection to the Messiah now becomes an open door to the Gentiles as a whole. So even in this passage of Scripture, what does Paul say? All right, we're done. We're going to the Gentiles. And that wasn't, that wasn't a spirit of Paul just you know, losing it, you know, uh, just snapping at them. No, this was, they had formally rejected the Messiah. Now, there were some Jews that received him on that day. But as a whole, the Jewish people had rejected the Messiah, and they were envious. In fact, what Paul brings out to them uh, uh, about them Hey, God intended to use you, and you rejected his, his using you. And this story perfectly pictures what Paul told the Roman believers in Romans 11, that God would allow the gospel to go to the Gentiles in order to provoke jealousy in his own people. Now, there are some that believe that God is done with Israel. He's, done, he, he, he's turned his back on them, and he's done. 
No, right now in this, this New Testament age, this age of grace, God has set them aside. And he's working through, uh, through his church, but uh, largely the gospel has gone to the Gentiles to provoke jealousy among his people so that they would be brought to redemption, which will happen. All Israel is going to look on him whom they've pierced and they're going to receive him. What a blessed day that's going to be. And so we continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But God's, God's word is coming true here. Romans 11, 11, write that and look at it later. Uh, have they stumbled that uh, they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. God's word is coming true right here in front of our eyes in Acts chapter 13. They are jealous. They are jealous, and some are responding to that word in this passage and saying, I want it. I want this message that the Gentiles are largely uh, uh, accepting. I want this message. And so what happens in verse 48 and 49 is that the word of God advances. Notice this, whenever, whenever we meet the opposition and the persecution and the blasphemy, blasphemy with the word of God, the word of God powerfully breaks through and has the ability to advance. Now notice there in verse 48, the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified what? They lifted up the word of God. It's advancing right there. And as many as were ordained uh, to eternal life believed. And so in verse 49, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the regions. So what's happening? The word of God is just going everywhere as it's rejected. And Paul says, no, listen, here's the truth. Here's what God's word says. When we meet the opposition with the truth of the word of God, God's word breaks through and it effectively advances. That's what we need to stay focused on even in this day. Can I really encourage you about this? Do not become dismayed at the opposition. Do not become discouraged when they, uh, when they persecute and when they revile you in your workplace. Do not become discouraged when your family says, I don't want to hear this anymore. Do not become discouraged. Continue to speak forth the word of God in its truth, speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4, um, 15. Continue to speak on the word of God in that situation and allow the word of God to advance on its own as it did here. I want to touch on something because we are teaching through the book of Acts and I don't want to uh, bump over this. Some of you looked in verse number 48 and you said, as many as were ordained to eternal life and you had an earthquake go off in your mind. Some of you are smiling because you know, you know what I'm talking. Uh, now, wait a minute. Uh, I thought, I thought it's our choice to come to the Lord as, he, as, he, as Jesus Christ is lifted up in our, in our life. We have here what is the doctrine of the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. And uh, let me encourage you something when you're interpreting Scripture, always interpret Scripture with Scripture. If there's an unclear passage of Scripture, uh, synthesize it, compare it with other passages of Scripture. Uh, in our minds, the sovereignty of God well, God knows all things, so doesn't he know everyone that will be saved? In our minds, the sovereignty of God and my having a choice in this matter of salvation are, are, are two opposite ends of, a, uh, of the spectrum, and it's very hard for us to put those together. In fact, I'll say this, it's impossible for us to put those two doctrines together. Uh, I look forward, this is one of the things I look forward to talking to Jesus about when I get to heaven. Can you, can you help me to understand this? But the fact is, one of the things, if I could just encourage you, uh, truth is always in the balance. When you take one truth to any extreme, you will find yourself, you find yourself messed up. Mercy and truth. Mercy and truth are two 
uh, two truths in Scripture that are always in balance with God. If God is all love, then anyone's going to go to heaven because he has to love you, and to send you to hell would be, would be uh, not loving. And you go to all truth, well, no one's going to heaven. So God's truth and his mercy are always in tension, just like his sovereignty, he knows all things, and, his, and our free will are always in tension. Uh, and they're in balance together. So what I have determined to do as, as a, a student of the word of God is simply to take those two truths and hold on to them, believing uh, God teaches both of them. And here you see God's sovereignty unclearly taught. God knows all things, but I want us to, to compare this with Ephesians chapter number four and verse number, Ephesians chapter number one and verse number four. According as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Let me say something about this, this passage of Scripture. Do you know before the foundation of the world, all that would choose to respond in faith to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross would be saved. Those that are in Christ are saved. And I believe as, uh, those that are in Christ are a part of the elect. We are elect in Christ. Those that make the choice to, to accept what he has done. He lifted them up in front of all the world. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All men. He tells us that he's not willing that any man should perish, but all should come to repentance. And if you're saved here today, you're elect in Christ. But you had, you had a choice. You had a, a, a responsibility to respond to what Jesus Christ had done, to the grace of God in your life, and to receive it for you personally. But did God know ahead of time that you would or wouldn't? This isn't a trick question. Did God know? He's all-knowing. And again, you see the, the struggle here. You have the, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, and they're in balance. Let me also say this about predestination, though that is not mentioned here. Whenever the Bible talks about predestination, it is talking about, just like it mentions here in Ephesians 4 and verse number uh, uh, 1 and verse number 4, it's always talking about our sanctification. Those that are in Christ are predestined to become like Christ. You go back and do, your, uh, do the study uh, along with me, you'll find that predestination deals with sanctification. It deals with the fact that you're in Christ, Jesus Christ is going to make you to be like him. And I am so thankful because <laughs> sometimes I look at my own life and I think, I don't know. I don't know how this whole sanctification process, how, how me becoming more like Christ is, is going along. But Jesus Christ promised me that he would make me like Jesus Christ. What a blessing. And I hope I've not uh, confused anything for you this morning. But if you, if you walk away with anything, please remember this. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man stand in balance to one another. Both are clearly taught in Scripture. And it's not a problem in God's mind. It's a problem in my finite mind. Amen. Right? And so I'd encourage you to study. There's more than, than can be discussed in a passage like this. But I wanted to touch on that because that is, it's right there in the text. And uh, it is, a, uh, is a, a thing that we ought to study, uh, study through. And so, you see that they are trying to discredit the message. Paul speaks the word of God, and the message goes forward. God's word is powerful in that way. But I want you to notice when they could not discredit the message, because the word of God is quick and powerful, what did they do to the messengers? I want you to look at verse number 50. What did they do to the messengers towards the end? Tell me, what did they do to the messengers? Okay, I, I, I heard persecute. What else? 
They ran them out of town. And here's what they did. When they could not discredit the message, they tried to silence the message. Do you know how absolutely amazingly relevant the Word of God is? Because I see it happening right now. And with truth, when I cannot discredit truth, I try to silence truth. Mark it down. What we see happening in our country on a mass scale towards truth in general happened back in that day towards the truth of the gospel and to truth in general. And so they tried to silence it. They expelled them out of their coast. So if, if they had social media in that day, they would have kicked them off of social media. And, and that's, that's what is going on. Okay, and, and, and so we, we think, oh, there's, this is a new day and this is a big problem What's going on. Friends, nothing's new under the sun. Mankind, because mankind is wicked, will always respond to God's truth by either trying to discredit it or silence it. That's what they'll do. Uh, this, this week, there was a, uh, a professor in a Baptist university down in, uh, down in Texas, uh, and he, he spoke out against the whole uh, transgender thing that is going on in our country today. By the way, this is a part of, uh, of a country that's moving away from God, and it's becoming more accepted on a, on a, on a public scale. Uh, though sin has always been in the heart, uh, and we understand that God created us male and female, that's, that's an, undi- an undisputable, natural fact of life. But just realize that, that when they cannot silence, they will expel. And so as this man stood up and, and in a public way, admonished or stood up against the the whole uh, narrative that is going on right now he's kicked off on social media for a a certain amount of time why you say well this sounds so political pastor no i'm trying to help us to understand that in our culture we are seeing the exact same thing happen god's word if god's word does not work into our culture right now we're, we're talking about a, a book that's 2,000 years old and has no relevance to today. No, God's word is relevant right now. And we are seeing it played out. These are really exciting days to live in, right? So uh, we, can, we can look at this two ways. We can look at this, and all oh, this is so horrible. They're expelling, they're expelling the voice. And you know, some voices uh, uh, take it on themselves. Do you, do you grant that? They, they stir up some stuff that maybe they shouldn't stir up. That's why the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. And also, it's very important to understand that what's happening in our culture is because people are ultimately sinful. And what they really need is Jesus Christ to change their hearts. And when Jesus Christ changes their hearts, the rest of their life will be different, right? You with me? So we have to keep the right perspective. Um, so sometimes it's, it, it, it might not be the, the most appropriate thing for you to go out and, and, and blast it that way. Go out and blast Jesus Christ in, in a good way. Broadcast him. That came out wrong. <laughs> but but here, here's the thing. We see this happening in our culture, the silencing, but it happened then too. Be encouraged, uh, be encouraged at that response to the word of God in this way. So what did they do? They walk out of town and they, they shake the dust off their feet on the way out of town. You say, that sounds so juvenile. No, Jesus said to do this. Jesus said, when a, a, a people reject you, in Mark 6, 11, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake the dust under your feet. Why? For a testimony against them. 
And what was Paul and Barnabas doing as they left town that day? They were shaking off the dust of their feet. They were not leaving in retreat. They were not leaving in defeat. They were leaving because they rejected the word of God. And they gave a public testimony. Well, this dust will be a testimony, a witness against your unbelief. That's sobering. Friend, can I just encourage you about this? When people reject the word of God, it's not on you. It is on them. And it's not against you. It's against him. We have to stay laser focused. Friend, we've got to stay laser focused right now in our day because this is where we are living. When your word, when you start talking about your word and you are scoffed at work and you are rejected uh, in, your, in your public life because you're bringing up the word of God, Please do not think that they're rejecting you. They are rejecting the word of God. They're rejecting the spirit of God. They're rejecting Jesus Christ himself. Keep on preaching. And notice the rejection there in Antioch of Pisidia. Open the door in Iconium. It opened the door over there. And where there is one door closed, another door opens. Keep on preaching the word of God. Remember the word that Jesus said unto us. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours. Keep preaching the word. And so notice here, we have receiving and we have rejecting. Let's get to one last thought here. Verse number 52. I want you to read it out loud with me this morning. Verse number 52. You there? Let's read together. Ready, begin. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Wow. They had a little bit of a rough ride there in in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas are on their way and now are left, who? The disciples. And notice they're rejoicing in the word of the Lord. Joy does not come in doing life our way. It comes by doing it God's way. And notice what God says here about them. Look at the first three words of verse 52. And the what? Disciples. God calls them that. That is the divine narrator of this passage of scripture. The Holy Spirit of God. God calls them that. God called them a disciple. What's a disciple? A person who is a committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to notice, they rejoiced in the word. Why? Because they continued in the word. They continued to do what he said, John 8, 31. Then those, uh, Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Then. So here we have this group of people that are continuing the word. They were disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we think that, uh, that our Christianity completely rises and falls on the spiritual leader. But do you know that these people continue to follow Jesus when Paul and Barnabas left town? And they continue to experience the joy of the Lord and the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. What an amazing thing. And so they were, um, they were continuing in the word. And, and Paul had told them. He had, he had encouraged them for this very moment. Continue in the grace of God. Don't, don't let up. Don't stop. Continue in the grace of God. And how I encourage you today and encourage us today, let's continue in the grace of God. Let's continue in the word. No matter who's around, no matter who's against it, no matter how unpopular it becomes, continue in the word, even if it's painful to continue. I was listening to a, a story about a, uh, 
a man that was doing a hike with a group of people and uh, getting to the top of the hike where the oxygen is thick. He was climbing a mountain. Oxygen is, uh, oxygen is thin, I should say. Air is thin. And uh, getting to the top and just the pain that is in his legs. Uh, and just every step was very, very painful. Very painful. But he kept on taking one step, one step. You know, sometimes in our Christian life, that one step is going to be painful. I, I got to place faith in this. I don't feel like it, but I, I, I must place faith. I must continue on, continue on in the word. No matter how difficult it becomes, just keep continuing on the word, just like these did. And I want God to call me a disciple, don't you? I want God's perspective about me to be, I'm constantly learning. I'm not perfect, but I'm constantly learning. And let's continue on like them. So notice it says that these disciples were filled with joy. These disciples were generously supplied with joy. They did not say, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to be joyful. They did not say that. God filled them with joy. Do you know, my wife and I were talking this week and um, she's been memorizing through the fruits of the Spirit and also trying to apply them into her life. And she said, you know, I, uh, we were having a great conversation. This was incredible insight. She said, uh, she said, I've been thinking I need, to, I need to be loving and I need to be good. I need to have faith and I need to, and she was thinking down to the fruits of the Spirit. And then it was like the Holy Spirit told her, she says, no, you don't need to be this. You need to possess this. You don't produce, you don't produce the fruit of the Spirit. You possess the fruit of the Spirit. Notice what it says there in that last phrase. They were full of the Holy Ghost. Why were they joyful? Because they were full of the Holy Ghost. And God himself gave them joy. You know why? Because they continued in the word of God. As the Holy Spirit of God said, here's the word. Here's the light. Walk ye in it. They said yes and received it. They got joy. They got joy. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not about some mystical experience. It is, it is about me giving full access of my life and my thoughts and my will to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to have full control. They did that as they said to the Holy Spirit, whatever your word says, I will receive it and I will obey it. I will practice it. And what did God give them? Joy. And two times in this passage of Scripture, we see the fact that our joy is firmly connected to our reception of the word of God. You wonder, where's my joy? I wonder, and I think you should ask, and we should ask personally, how am I receiving the word of God today? If there's not a reception of the word of God, if there's not a rejoice, a, 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 a receiving and taking in and allowing it to nourish us, I'm not going to have joy. They had joy because of the reception of the word of God. John 15, verse 11, These things have I, Jesus, spoken unto you, that your, my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be, do you remember? full. God doesn't do anything half-hearted. God wants you to have joy this week, but it's going to come as I receive his word, and I revel in it, and I allow it to change me, and I allow it to nourish me. What a great thing. So as the word of God is received, there was great joy in their heart and rejoicing, and it continued to advance forward. And I want to connect this with our theme this year, because as they received the word of God, they personally were built. The church was built. More people were coming to the Lord Jesus Christ there in Antioch of Pisidia. And here's something that we must grab a hold of. Receiving God's word is an indispensable element 
to me personally experiencing the Lord building me as his church. I have to receive the word of God. You say, it seems so daunting that Jesus would build his church in such a dark uh, world in which we live. No, today, tomorrow, throughout this week, if you and I will simply receive the word of God and allow it to become the joy and rejoicing of my heart, Jesus has the ability to personally give you the experience. He's building you, building you through his word. What an amazing thing. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16 says this, The words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I love it. I want more. Sadly, you and I, and we both get in this situation where, where we, we have other appetites. We have distractions. And so we don't receive. Probably the most of us in here would not be actively resisting the word of God. But you know, we sometimes allow other appetites and other distractions to get in and we don't get still before God and we don't know that he's God and we don't hear his voice. And I'm reminded and I'd love to, I'd love to speak on this at some point, but I'd encourage you to Consider the message of Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus talks about the different soils. And I wonder if a good homework assignment out of today wouldn't be just to consider what kind of soil is your heart for the word of God. I realize Matthew 13 is talking about the soil, the, the field being the world, but the fact is your heart and my heart can be stony sometimes. It can be impenetrable you ever been reading along in the Word of God and it seems like nothing sticks? It's like, Lord, soften my heart. Uh, what did the prophets say to Israel? Uh, break up your fallow ground. Break it up. Till it over. And that's why I used in our title this morning, uh, this is the response that I have to cultivate. The heart of receiving the Word of God is a response I have to cultivate because naturally, I receive other things but I don't receive the word of God as I ought to. So perhaps this, this week, as, as you would just form this message into a prayer, is, Lord, I want my heart to be so, the soil of my heart to be so fertile to the word of God that, that anything you say just touches it and ignites my heart. That I can truly sing back to you right on my heart every word. That I can say each verse that you, you illuminate to me is the sweetest verse that I've ever heard. And it just causes a, 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 a spark of rejoicing in my heart. Don't you want that? I do. And uh, the thing is, in my life and your life, it has to be cultivated. I'm thankful for people like these Gentiles who, who demonstrate that for us. Boy, I want it. I want it. I want it. Let's cultivate that in our hearts this week. Let's ask the Lord to help us with that, to cultivate it. Maybe you need to till, till your heart. Maybe there's some things that you need to just get in there, some rocks that you've allowed into your life that really are just really hindering you from receiving the word and just rejoicing in it like they did. Let, let's take care of that this week. Let's take care of that today. And let's be able to rejoice like they did in the word of God. And wouldn't you pray with me and ask the Lord to help us with that. Father, we're thankful that you've given us the word of God so each one of us can receive it. And I'm thankful for each, each person here that's received the word of God and they've been saved.
and they've not rejected that message. Now, Lord, I pray for us as believers, I pray that you'd help us uh, to have just receptive hearts so we too could know this joy and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we say yes to your word. So we pray for that. And I also pray, Lord, for anyone watching or here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I ask that they would not continue in their state of condemnation, but that you would help them to receive you by faith and not reject you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.